Okay, it is recording. Hooray! And we're using Audacity because my computer went... And but we're was... wondering if, hey, maybe we can just switch to Audacity. Yeah, it would have taken a while to get a, uh, get the other software, software platform installed. So I figured I'd give this a try. Cool. Oh, right. well, I got lots to talk about. But, yeah, uh, lots to talk about. We'll start. I'll dig up what I had saved. All right. Let's see. Interesting um, Interesting thing that I, I read about the F-35, you know, the... Joint Strike Fighter. Yes, which is running through... There's, there's a lot of consternation about it because there are people saying it's not as effective. It loses fights against, you know, it loses simulated fights against F-15s and things like that. Okay. heard this interesting quote, though. Uh... From, a, from somebody who's a defense, uh, I guess who's a part of a defense person. F-35 is not a fighter plane. It's a flying sensor computer that sucks in an enormous amount of data, correlates it, analyzes it, and displays it to the pilot on his helmet. And I think that makes an interesting case. In okay. some sense. Because what you're, you're saying is that, yeah, the F-35 is not the best dogfighting capability fighter if you get into a dogfight. The F-35 is not really designed to be in dogfight. The F-35 is designed to destroy any way, to either be able to destroy any dogfights before they get to you, or to be able to get out of there before that becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's sort of, it's a floating weapons platform that can defend itself, but can also get the hell out of Dodge if it needs to. Right. Okay. And that's a, a that is an interesting case, especially when you have one fighter. You can do that in the, in the size of one fighter plane, as opposed to doing that with a gigantic military apparatus or, you know, one, or a gigantic boat or something like that. Okay. Thoughts? Uh, no. No, I haven't really... Uh, other than the budget overruns and the underperformance. Don't know much about it, so... See, I, I'm thinking about the underperformance in that specifically as pertaining to that. Like, uh, it's sort of like you know they they made a big deal about how the F-22 uh, can't fly in the rain. Mm-hmm. It doesn't rain a lot in the desert, and that's where we're using these things a lot. Um, well, the Joint Strike Fighter was supposed to replace a bunch of different mm-hmm. airplanes, and yeah, well, it was sold as that, right, right. And if you're not able to replace them, no, if you can augment the battlefield if you can if it can do what you traditionally would have needed a um an AWACS or um a Seahawk or uh the EC2 whatever an escort and well but you know that was a multi-crewed vehicle yeah. you know things like that if it can collect the stuff then you know I'd have to look into that some more but yeah I mean that that could be a game changer um and it's a lot faster than a an EC2. Yeah. Or the, um, I can't think of the Navy version. Um, it's supersonic, it has stealth, and it can do what an AWACS can do. Yeah. That's um, <laughs> that's a pretty useful plane. Right. Okay. Have you found anything yet? Um, yeah, sure. Satoshi Nakamoto nominated for Nobel Prize. <laughs> yes! Got me interested to look into what, what's happening with Bitcoin. Some And... Uh, I was more and more um, amazed by what I saw. Than, than Probably not in a good way, huh? Um, 
the the most interesting development i think is that some people are there's finally movement on okay bitcoin didn't work let's look at this concept and see what we can do with it mm-hmm. which is i mean yeah that's that's kind of the I have no problem with looking at the concept of a blockchain and seeing how you can use that. Right. Uh, but yeah, Bitcoin is, it it's dead for all intents and purposes. It, its only use is between basically it's cultists, right? So mm-hmm. the Bitcoin cultists, the uh, on people who are buying drugs or uh, weapons or cyanide or whatever online, right? right. Uh, degenerate gamblers. People who are committing fraud or hacking. I heard a beep, but I don't know where it's from. Okay. Yeah, people who are, who are committing cybercrime, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, money launderers. And uh, that's kind of it. What about the people trying to... Um... Uh, that the... That's it. That that's the only people who are using the currency. I know, I know. But it was supposed to be for people to have low transaction rates and right. Or, yes. Uh, there, there is no. Yeah. Now, I mean, the whole no fees thing is gone. Now it's no fees. Um, the whole idea of a distributed consensus is essentially destroyed. There, it, it can't possibly exist. In fact. All the Bitcoin true believers can't seem to see this. They have a problem with the central bank controlling monetary policy. Um, so basically... This muddy fort's not very good. Oh, really? <laughs> it's okay. Drink your stuff. I haven't even t- tasted it yet. No, but yours is... You got it before the sludge. Yeah. yeah but the sludge isn't very good. No, this isn't... I think it's, yeah, it's kind of the same. It lost its... Uh, it was magical last Lost week. its magic. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> we can just pour, pour it back into the because we don't have a dump bucket out here oh, we'll we get, get the it. dump bucket but okay. um yeah so okay so bitcoin is it, it, it's trying to get or the the true believers the 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 the, the bullshit economists behind it mm-hmm. they hate the idea <laughs> that monetary policy is controlled by a central bank that is uh that is distributing instead a monetary policy is controlled by three or four large mining groups and they're in charge of all transactions. Right. So there's no actual distributed consensus. There is three or four large organizations that are most likely uh, at least criminal adjacent that are running the entire thing. Right. Brilliant. Way yeah. to give it way to stick it to the man, Bitcoin. It was good. It was the intentions were good. <laughs> The hard part is when you are uh, trying to reinvent money, who's going to uh, jump on first? Yeah. Oh my God, was Fargo good? Wasn't it? Wow. Oh what, what a great God. episode, beginning to end. Um, I mean, so, you know, the beginning of the season, people were telling me that the second season was so much was better than the first season. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm not sure. Billy Bob Thornton was fucking brilliant in yes. the first season and you know this is the point where you know um oh, i can't the character's names the guy with the butcher shop right he's uh in the back chopping up the guy and there's mm-hmm. that one's 10 scene but beside from that it was like i don't know but oh my god the last two episodes but this last episode oh, 
Oh, so good. We got Carl Carl Weathers. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad they gave him a, a sh- yeah. an episode. Um, a lot. I think that the the beauty of it was like all these characters that have either been on the periphery or have been sort of mysterious. You didn't really mm-hmm. get them. Right. You, you you finally sort of you got either why they were there or or really you got a better idea of what they were doing. Uh, this episode, you got that with uh, Mike Mulligan. You mm-hmm. got that with um, what's her name? I can't think of Kristen Dunst's name. Uh, Peggy. Yeah, Peggy. She's, uh, she's like a black widow. Well, but she's not like. I mean, she's like she. She saw the killing of Rye as a way to get out. Mm-hmm. She was stuck in this thing, and she. Right. And she saw it as a way to get out of a rut. That's a good point. And, but and, no, she's also pretty good at killing other people now. Oh yeah, she's uh, <laughs> assuming that they killed uh, Big Brother. Uh, well, she, she killed at least one guy by throwing a, a sink on him. That yeah. that guy's almost certainly dead, or yeah. at least uh, yeah. significantly close. Um, yeah, she is. Uh, she's a much more complicated character than than it looked at first, mm-hmm. uh, and you got to see that in this episode. You got to see the game that Mike Milligan was, was playing for like three or four episodes with the daughter right. that you didn't suspect at first. You thought it was, you thought they were on the same page and no, mm-hmm. he was, he was right. several books ahead of her. Oh yeah. And you also, uh, yeah. And then you get Nick Offerman giving oh, an so amazing good. performance. So good. His whole performance was just, Quotable line after quotable line. It's so good. It, it, I think uh, the great thing is how, you know, I've said this before, uh, comedy is the hard one. Mm-hmm. You could see how it was It was almost great to have a comedian in that moment because he could play broad and funny. And then as the situation changed, mm-hmm. he was able to take that and, and, and take the same character, you know, not change mm-hmm. the character right. at all, mm-hmm. but just give him just that little bit of, I'm I'm still the same character saying the same things, but it's just a slightly more it's a lot more right. serious situation. I have to I have to be on the ball with what I'm saying, and it's uh, it was just so well done. And yeah, and then the writing for for Carl and for Milligan, oh my god, just their lines are so good. That's I mean that's part. Yeah. I mean, to I mean the cinematography is good, all that, but for me. The person who writes for Milligan and now the person who writes for Carl Weathers, I just think, yeah, that's like art, right? There's that's, nobody, there's, there's no person well, who writes well, for them. Well, it's, it's right, the, but the the, the consensus yeah, of the character, yeah. you know, it's it's got to be fun coming up with riffs for for Carl Weathers. I bet. <laughs> I don't know why I forget some of those lines, but they were so they were they so were so good. Here, let me pull them up real quick. I found them. I don't know a tool of the state. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait, there's, I think there's a website for a Carl Weathers uh, quote predictor. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> but let's try to get through. But yeah, it was after I watched that episode that I tweeted. Uh, you know, there's shows I like. Mm-hmm. There's shows I love and there's shows that are art and Fargo is all three. But now I must bid you adieu. Admonish you to wash your... Pre- Watch your proverbial butts. I shall be back with the sledgehammer of justice prepared to lay Joseph waste to these four walls if you so much as touch a hair on my clients. 
Uh, out of my way, you tool of the state. I have come to comfort and counsel my client, <laughs> even as you seek to prison him. <laughs> I am of sound mind and body and ready to run circles around the inferior minds of the Rock County Sheriff's Department. Sonny says, Woo, lose a state cop, Carl. Shut up, Sonny. <laughs> I will need you to drive, however, right? That's after he stumbles a mm -hmm. bit. Yeah, great, great stuff. Don't want to, you know, don't want to spoil it. Or don't want to, don't, oh. don't want to, don't want to say all the lines. I, I, but that doesn't really spoil for, it because it's not, it's not spoiling you. But it's, I don't, don't want to. My delivery give, was not Offerman's delivery. But don't want to, uh, to sort of let it have that. Oh, sure. Let so. people marinate it in, in in the real version. Do you want to chuck that out? Or are you going to drink it? I'm fine. I'm right. Okay. Good. Drinky, drinky. Okay, so do you want to talk about I or do you want to wait? Talk about I or wait? Uh, let's wait. Let's do that okay. other show. All right. All right. Well, lots of other stuff to talk about. We can do Greg explains his tweets. <laughs> sure. All right. Or maybe you want to queue up your. Uh... My no, that's all right. Oh. I don't. I don't like that one. Okay. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about some other things that happened though this week. Is uh, so Charlie Sheen was, was oh, a story. Yeah, um, <laughs> Tiger Blood. Whole new meaning to Tiger Blood. Uh, Donna's DNA. I. <laughs> it's hard not to take some weird kind of perverse pleasure out of <laughs> out of the news, in a sense, because. <sighs> And and I hate myself for doing it, mm -hmm. but it's hard to avoid it in some sense. I, I, you know what I mean? I mean, it's like you hear that and you're like, eh, yeah, serves you right. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It is what it is. Not much. I mean, it's not a surprise that he has some kind of STD. Mm -hmm. This one's a little harder to cure than others, but. Uh... Not for somebody of his wealth. He'll be All fine. right, right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, um, yeah, it's a manageable situation now. It's like, you know, diabetes or mm -hmm. something. It's, right. It's, uh, it's not a death sentence. It, it changes who you can be with sexually. But not even for a person. But for Charlie Sheen, not really. <laughs> <laughs> it only means he has to go through a different agency. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, you, I mean, do you have any points or anything you want to say about it? Or no, just... I, I, I wanted to just explore that, that sort of side of me that, that kind of reveled in it, and I was unsure of, as to why. Yeah. I mean, I, when I made that tweet, I was like, oh, is that inappropriate? I don't know, but it was such a pop culture thing, and it went so far off the deep end. Yeah. I just had to throw that one out there. Um, it'd be like um, it'd be like if the the blue and gold or or the, the white and gold or blue and black dress got syphilis. It's <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, it was a shining icon on everybody's mind for like a few minutes because it was acting weird, mm -hmm. uh, and um really was more of a distraction, a weird distraction that phase that we went through than anything else and had absolutely no bearing on our lives whatsoever. And yet we were obsessed with it. 
Well, uh, had a bearing on people's lives who like two and a half men. Okay. Well, not really, because that was at. Oh, I guess that that that's was, that was, that was exactly that was the right time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, that's true. You have you have a point. So his point. meltdown did uh, did affect those people mm-hmm. in a degree in a degree with the TV's most popular show at the time, or maybe well, maybe it was second at that time. I don't know. I think it was ahead of Big Bang Theory at the time. I believe so. I think that's a very good point, and I, I didn't consider that. Uh, so, yeah, for, for me, it, it had nothing. But for other people, and you, like you said, it was a very popular show. That means less and less, but it's still, mm-hmm. uh, it applies to 10%, 50% of the population. Who knows? Right. That had an effect on them, so I can see that. But, um, yeah, all right. <laughs> Going with the next thing, then. I don't have right. any response yeah. to that. You kind of shut me up. Sorry. <laughs> when you're right, you're right. Okay. Uh, there's a little. There's a little more talk about shelf turds. Okay. Yeah. Well, so some people I've talked to in real life, like John Rubio and um, some of the guys down in Texas, they uh, they didn't hate the name. They they thought that you know a spinoff show of some sort could be a good idea. Um, but I mean, the feedback that you got from and we got online was. Well, Justin, I think it was, wasn't familiar with the term at all. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Patrick said no. Yeah. I think. He said, um, let's see, he said, uh, shelf turn sounds awful. <laughs> and then I, I sort of, uh, oh yeah, my favorite, I said, oh yeah, my favorite podcast is shelf turds. I can't wait for shelf turds to drop. And you said, sometimes it drops, sometimes it plops, sometimes it slides right out. <laughs> And Patrick says, definitely going to make a splash. And that got a favorite from me. Because I didn't see that response. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, because it got a favorite from me. Because I was like, you know, there might be something to this idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you can just, if you can just make it the stupidest name, but still have it be a decent show, mm-hmm. then, then it'll still work. Uh, That's kind of. Yeah. So... I had to, um, I forgot to secure at shelf turds on Twitter. Mm. So I did that the other day. So we got shelf turds.com and at shelf turds. All right. So what would be our first shelf turd that we would do? I don't know what the format would be. I'm still working on ideas for the format because I think it could be like, I kind of like the idea of doing an audio column, like an opinion piece. But I know that would be a lot of work. It'd be as hard as blogging. And, mm-hmm. and so I don't know. You know, that kind of makes me hesitant on that. I kind of like it. Maybe it's a news. 15 minute news piece. Maybe it's. I don't really want to do a single beer review. Well, maybe it's. Maybe it's. If you stick with the opinion concept, you could stay. You could stick with the whole. You know, opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got them. It's like, opinions are like shelf turns. They're all over the place. Uh, there you go. And you could do a sort of like you could actually ask get people to to give their opinions mm-hmm. on things and say, look, you know, the whole point of the show is that all opinions are ultimately oh. dumb. Okay, that's starting to come together, yeah. right? It could be kind of like. Um... I don't want to say like a Leno man on the street because I don't want to showcase people being dumb, uh-huh. but it'd be going like getting lots of people to be in the conversation type thing. Yeah. And uh, so like I, I made a point. I was making a prediction about one of the shows I watched. But before I said, it, I said predictions are dumb because they're always wrong. 
But when they're right, you get to look like a genius. So I'm going to make my prediction, even though I know it's fucking dumb. So if you can approach the idea that opinions are dumb because everyone's got them and they're all over the map. Uh, sometimes they're right and, and you look smart, but that doesn't make your opinion any, any less dumb. That just makes it, it happened to be the right opinion. <laughs> or it happened to be. Or here's an idea. Not a good idea, but, you know, we're just brainstorming right now, mm-hmm. right? Where shelf turds is just me reading untapped, right? Like, check-ins. <laughs> like, five minutes of untapped check-ins. <laughs> <laughs> I like that for, like, a show. <laughs> like, a, like one episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> as a commentary on, on right. untapped check-ins. But I don't like that as... <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, episode 25 of shelf turds. <laughs> More or less than this. <laughs> Uh, like I said, I'm just throwing yeah. shit out there, yeah. and that that one didn't seem like it was complete junk. There might be something that is tangential to that. If you can if you can fuse that into an effective commentary, I think that that would be mm-hmm. uh, that'd be fun. That'd be a fun little thing, and we, we and we could do these little, and we could you know offer people to to give their opinion and or send in their opinion, uh, and uh, it'll be another yet another shelf turd, yet another shelf turd to stick on the shelf, right. All right, so we're gonna. I'm gonna keep kicking it around, but I think we we definitely had some. We've hit upon some some neat facets idea. there, yeah. And that was thanks to everybody else who commented because we wouldn't have. I'm, I'm glad Greg happened. doesn't morally oppose the title anymore. Like anything that changes, it requires. Um, it's hard to get something to change immediately. Mm-hmm. That requires a lot of energy. Uh, you can. You can make your change go, uh, if you make it a lot smoother, then sometimes your change will happen. And if your change has enough force behind it, it'll happen. Uh, I guess that's me getting philosophical about changing minds, but the whole Mm -hmm. point is it doesn't, it very rarely happens immediately. Very, very rarely are you going to, the day you mentioned to me something and I have a visceral reaction against it. Uh, am I? Are you going to be able to change my mind? But give me enough time to think on it. Let me, let me have some more input uh, and consider possibilities. Right. Something might crop up. An idea might be there, and I think that's what happened here. Cool. Well, I'm glad. I, I mean, you were so opposed to it last week. I was worried that I. <laughs> I was worried that you, you know, if I was to do this project, it was going to be 100 percent without you. <laughs> that's what it seemed like last week. As I tweeted, I'm an analyst. That's what I do. That's literally what I do. That's what I do for work. It's what I do for play. It's, uh, as, um, who's it what said? Who's it what said? Who is the person who sent the message? Carl Weller? No. The, oh, um, which one are you talking about? The, the, the Greg is smarter than everybody. Oh, John Rubio. John Rubio said, um, I, no, it's not me thinking I'm smarter than everybody. It's me thinking about things, uh, Using this as a platform to say them, absolutely. I, I use this as as a platform to mm-hmm. uh, to both get my thoughts out and to uh, to analyze them. Uh, but it is not. Uh, yeah. Little background noise here, but. Greg is smarter than you. And you. That's not what I'm saying <laughs> at all. If anything, here's here's where I'm. If anything, I'm, I'm giving you my shelf turds right now. These may be dumb as as shit. Uh, I'm exposing them so that they can be tested, so that they can be, so that they can see some light, and uh, and if the light burns them, they will go back into their shed. 
Okay. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So I hope I did a whole bunch of tweets uh, yesterday or Thursday rather because I watched uh, uh, Nick's band and he invited me to go watch his band play. It was the first time I seen him play, and he do he does his. It was his first sort of reformulated band. It was okay. less like a um, less like uh, a band that you might think of, and more like a, a kind of jazz trio doing some covers, but in their own style. So it was kind of it was really cool. Okay. Because, well, the thing the thing I say about that is, I hate seeing cover bands. I mean, like I, I hate seeing music musical acts that all they do is like covers and that's it. Okay. Yet, if they make the cover their own, then it's cool. Um, and when you think about it, that that's kind of what the, the some of the great musicians that we love did or do. Um, think about your your Louis Armstrongs or your Frank Sinatras, right? They didn't they didn't just do songs that they wrote. They they played old standards and and they sang old standards. They did these songs, but they made them their own, so such that you consider these songs their songs even when they weren't theirs. Yep. Okay. So mm-hmm. it, it is cool to see a, a jazz band kind of do that sort of thing. They're doing their own songs, and they're also doing the jazzy rendition of, uh, of some other songs you know, and sometimes a little bit, uh, a little bit more on the mark than others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was really enjoyable because, and he yelled at me sometimes, "Hey, everybody should dance!" And I was like, "I don't dance. I think because that was what I was doing. I was using uh, the music as a, as, as like I said, a random seed generator for okay. my thoughts, and I was just trying to." Because I was thinking about describing, you know, I to you as I will. I'm thinking about uh, Euler's identity and trying to figure out what's the best way to describe this. How's the best way to, to make this work? And then it, it led to all these other things that I started to think about. Because that stuff all ends up being stuff about this other thing, stuff that I'm talking about. If you get into it, like I have. Okay. Uh, so let's see, what I was talking about. So I, I was talking about here... Uh, so randomness is small scale best introduced at the small level. That's where the most successful adaptations to its effects will occur. Uh, so this is me saying that like th- there are two types of, of ways that randomness can sort of enter into a situation. It, it can percolate up from from the bottom, if you will, uh, and, and it can be um, imposed sort of globally. Uh, and a good example of that is you have evolution of life. Um, slow methodical sort of happens and uh meteor smacks the earth that's that's evolution uh that's a change that that's a randomness or a bit of randomness that comes uh sort of a global wham a global wham that kind of whacks everything down knocks everything down to size as a, the thing is that the stuff at the at the small level will get increasingly better especially as it's at the smaller and smaller scale get increasingly better at adapting to things mm-hmm. uh Unless some big thing happens, and then that stuff is not adapted to that at all, and a whole lot of stuff happens at that point. Sort of where I was going with that. So I said, uh, so that's where I was going with it. Sometimes large scale operations, meteors, etc., occur that interrupt the evolution of small effects. If the effects are strong enough, they survive. This is about um, I'm kind of trying to get into the idea of resonance. If something okay. is if there's enough of a resonance that either it matches what what hit or it is a harmonic of what hit, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier for it to survive. 
because it can sort of ride that wave. Okay. Uh, if it is, to, if it's totally opposite of what hit, then you're going to have it cancel. Okay. Speaking of meteorites and uh, waves and things like that, I was listening to Science Friday. That I think it was this week's Science Friday. It might have been last week's. And uh, there's a book out there. What's the name of the book? But it's the theory in the the book is about is that there may be a uh, different kind of dark matter than the main kind of dark matter. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I, I think I saw so, something about this. So the the one of the properties of this dark matter is that it is able to radiate energy dark light or something like that but because it radiates energy it coalesces in a disk around the milky way and they're thinking about that you know and as the earth or as the solar system goes around the milky way it kind of bobs up and down across the plane of the milky way mm-hmm. about every 36 million years or something like that kind of the cadence of the very large asteroid strikes on earth statistically and so the the hypothesis in this book is that there may be a different kind of dark matter that may have this property of radiating it some energy or something like that so it it so it's not just in a sphere of dark matter on the milky way which most of the dark matter is but it's concentrated on the disk of the milky way mm-hmm. and as the solar system moves across this plane every 30 some million years you know the, the gravity perturbs things in the orb cloud and causes you know a rash of asteroid strikes and things like that. So it was tying tying it into the the large mass extinctions and things like that. That's a it's an interesting uh, concept. Um, I I think that the the basics behind it seem to me to be not too much of a stretch. For example, the idea that dark matter could be more complex than simply one or two different types of particles. Right. There could be a complex dynamics there. Well, you know, how would we know? Right. Um, right. So that that. I can certainly see something there that there might be some, uh, some periodicity to, this isn't the first time I've heard about the periodicity of, um, asteroid strikes. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, even, never, even though I've, I've never I've... seen it confirmed, I've never seen it like, oh, okay. like nailed down to be yet. This is what happened. It's sort of like, I mean, the, 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 I forget her name, but she is a, um, particle physicist at like MIT, mm-hmm. right? I mean, she's not, some quack, you know, but, but, you know, I've heard about the periodicity before talking about like uh, nemesis, right? Yeah. Something, some big dark planet out there tossing things at, at us from the Oort cloud. Uh, but, you know, so I've seen that, but she, you know, the way she said it, you know, it's statistics, it's statistically um, relevant, you know, every uh, 30 some million years, mm-hmm. you see these large, you know, 10 kilometer impact, you know, if you look at all the craters, like over 10 kilometers. 10 kilometers, is that what you said? Yeah, I think all the, all the craters over 10 kilometers, they kind of fall statistically into this period. And I, like I said, I've never seen something that, that, that verifies it, that it's that, that's absolutely true. I've seen, you can map it, and mm-hmm. it kind of looks similar. Right. Uh, you know, there are missed ones, and there, you know, there are ones that are, that are outside the range and not. <laughs> and uh, you can sort of see a pattern there if you impose it. Uh, it's not absolutely clear, I think, that it's there. Uh, but it's you know it's, it's, also, it's, it's worth looking into. Also, how many million years after you yeah. cross the plane of the Milky Way does it take? I mm-hmm. mean, this this giant Earth killer might yeah. take two or three orbits before it smacks into us. Yeah, and, and and even if this theory is true, then you know that does mean that uh, it's not a certainty that it's going to happen. So it's 
Well, we did pass through about two million years ago, so watch out. It might be coming. Well, it always might be coming. Yeah. Uh, but it might be statistically more likely now than... It reminds me of a show a video of... Three million uh, years ago. I was showing a video of a large... They call it a large asteroid hitting the Earth. And, and, a, and a simulation of what it was. It basically was total, total destruction. But it was the thing was about... I don't know, half the size of the moon, and we would see something like that. We would know something like that was out there. The 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 five hundred kilometer, five hundred mile one kilometer ones, eh, those, mm-hmm. those might be able to skip. But anything like that size, like half the size of the moon or bigger, we'd know if that was out there. We would be able to see that. Well, the thing is, if it's something coming in from the Oort cloud for the first time, right? We would be able. And to see, if it was, yeah. and if it was on a collision course for Earth on the first time through. We would see it coming, but not very far in advance. Yeah. So. But we would see, be able to see it coming. And there are ways to deal with that. Uh, some uh, some less, uh, less interesting than others. Some more interesting. I don't think there's any way we can cope with it now other than just running around. To the, everyone move to the other side of the planet. <laughs> Uh, that would be one way of, of coping with it. And then jump. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how, how, what kind of space are we talking about? Do you think? What's that? What, time, what kind of time period? Oh, if Earth Killer was coming in straight from the Oort cloud, I would say three months. Three months. Three months. All right. So your, your principal. I mean, that's like worst case, right? Yeah. That's worst hard. case. A thing that is. Directly inbound, you're gonna smack us like head on, mm-hmm. uh, and um, it's the first time in the neighborhood, so yeah. we're not we don't know its orbit or anything right, like that, right. and it's coming straight at us. Uh, your best bet is probably to figure out a good way to blow it up. <clears throat> yes, I don't mean you know send Bruce Willis <laughs> down there. I mean. Send a whole lot of impactors to it to create big holes. Send a whole lot of nukes in there to blow to keep blowing it up and blow it up and blow it up and blow it up and blow it up and, it up and uh, shatter it. Right, but do we even have the stuff? I mean, you can't build it in three months. You could. You're not going to be able to design and build sure you could. these impactors in three months. We don't already what? have. You them. could you could throw trucks onto a rocket and shoot it up. It doesn't matter how many fail. <laughs> Can't throw a truck onto a rocket. If you rockets had, aren't big enough. There aren't enough big rockets to launch. A if truck. you had two months to save the Earth, three months to save the Earth, you'd find a way. Rocket science is hard. Rocket science. Yeah, is, that's I know. That's why I said you're going to fail a lot. Right. Uh, I uh, I'm not as optimistic as you are. If that worst case scenario comes true, I don't think we're going to have a. I, I any, wouldn't. I wouldn't. Any probable chance at all. I wouldn't like our chances, but I wouldn't I, we, discount I, them. My 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 estimate would be we might hit this thing with two or three rockets, and that's it. Uh. Well, I mean, I I, I would like <laughs> would not like to see that happen, but I I would be. It would certainly be a curiosity. It'd be an interesting time to live in. That's for sure. Plus. Imagine okay, if, so when you were talking about, you know, when you only have three months left to live, you know, left to go, you know, we'll find a way to make it happen. That's assuming that, like, all of humanity chips in to make it happen. Yeah, that, that would be... Not all of humanity starting to panic and hoarding and, and rioting and looting and... 
I don't, I don't think that would happen until like the last two or three days because everyone would would assume we'd, we'd get it done, and everyone would just like all industry everything would be on that. That would be in the news every day. That would be what everybody is working on. Everybody would be finding some way to contribute to that effort. And uh, because if not everyone dies, well, you know, then, okay. There's there's going to be a lot of people taking a three-month vacation and making the most of it. Not a lot. I think a lot. I I don't think so. I I think that most people are going to do what they can to, to, you know, they have a three-month period to do what they can. And, uh, and then they'll want to take a really long vacation. <laughs> but, okay, so most people aren't going to be able to contribute directly. Right. The only way their contribution well, would like be a, is... You, the, only, the only contribution is to keep the economy going. So the people who are contributing directly can keep Well, it's going to be like a war effort thing. I mean, it would, it, that would be literally like it was. I mean, you'll have people just going from one industry, just moving into this effort to build these machines. I don't know. Three months is like that. No time it, at all. Three months is 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 a very you're you're putting on a very tight timetable. Yes. Uh, <laughs> if you if we had three years, I could see this kind of thing happening. But three months, I think people are just going to go on a vacation and make the most of it and and watch a uh, impact have an impact party. Uh, yeah, I think and I think if you said a week, I would say yeah, you're you're totally screwed. Three months. You've got about a month and a half to make something to 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 make something work. After a month of getting stuff, of, of building up the, the, of building up what you need, and a month and a half of, of getting things to work, and then, then you're screwed. But you you've got that. You've got that time period. You could you could feasibly do something. How many rockets exist right now that can uh, go on a ballistic trajectory, or like a not an Earth orbit, like outside the Earth orbit, ballistic trajectory. Not very many, right? Not, How many can we make in three months? Not very many. That's, I mean, and if we do this whole war war effort, if you're not testing, I mean, if you're not if you're not caring about right what about about you know the safety and all this other stuff, if you're just concerned about getting shit up there, yeah, we can make we have a lot of stuff that we can adapt to to get onto a hyperbolic trajectory outside outside of the Earth's. Uh, gravitational field. Yeah, I mean, we could we could adapt a lot of ICBMs. That's it, hyperbolic, hyperbolic. Maybe. I mean, you could be right. And then we start raining plutonium down on people because the rockets fail. I mean, that's... Part of the thing is, yeah, you're, you're going to render a, 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 a big area of uh, the Earth probably uninhabitable, or, or, or it's going to... You're going to use up a lot of resources doing this. Uh, and... The question is, well, we're all going to die anyway, so yeah, we use up what we you know what we can, and you know if it, if it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Or, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, so that, I think that that's the uh, that's the point you say is like, yeah, there's going to be potentially a lot of you know death and harm coming from this, but it's better than everybody going. Yeah, at that point, you, you mm-hmm. stop worrying about any of the environment, <laughs> right? Oh, speaking of plutonium, uh, last week I broke my home theater PC. I was trying to update it, and it mm-hmm. didn't work, so I had to wipe it and start over. So while I was doing that, I was binging on, like, chemistry YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, like, the the guy that does the videos about the elements with the crazy white hair, have you seen him? Yeah, Probably. Yeah. 
So I was watching like the plutonium one. I watched, I watched a couple of videos on plutonium actually. There's these guys in this lab who are reclaiming plutonium from warheads and uh-huh. making the plutonium oxide and stuff. And, uh, and then that guy, the guy with the crazy white hair talking about americium and, um, Lorenz or, uh, Livermorium, like 108 and 109. Mm-hmm. And whatnot, and I was, you know, spent a few hours just geeking out on elements. Yeah, there's a lot. the The periodic uh, table of videos is a good resource on that. It's sure. really cool. I mean, these are ones you, except for the plutonium, I watched ones that, you know, we don't have any real quantity of, mm-hmm. and they also don't last for more than a few seconds, so you can't really see what these look like. Yeah. Uh, even the scientist who discovered it doesn't really know what it looks like because they've only gathered a few micrograms of it or, or you know, like, I think one of them, like, if you look up like a, like 118, like the, like the top end of the highest, like, discovered one. It doesn't last very long, right? Oh, no, I think, like, like, ever. It was, it's been created in two labs and at most it's like eight atoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the only way we know that it's there is because we can observe the daughter. Yeah, the way because it decays down into two different things and or two different things in a neutrino or whatever, and they like they find all that stuff and like figure it had to be yeah the thing above it. Yeah, uh, I mean it, it, it's it is very it gets into some very uh, very some stuff that I really I do not understand chemistry at all. <laughs> it is <laughs> it's it's way out of my league in terms of what I'm studying and what I know. It's uh, so I mean based... it, it, it's a dynamics it's a dynamics uh, situation that I'm just I, I don't have any I'm not equipped to handle right. it. Let, I mean, let the chemist deal with basically it how they make like 118 is they take two elements where the atomic numbers add up to 118 mm-hmm. and so you have a couple combinations there but there's generally good combinations like lead's a good one to use because of its properties and then so they'll take lead and then they'll take whatever the difference is. And smash them together, and try to get them to fuse for a bit. Yeah, lead's good because it's dense, right? So that means that you're right. likely to hit something, and it's 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 high, so it's easy to you know so you can use it to make to add, because um, what you're doing is you're basically adding protons. I was surprised that uh, the old uh, remember web elements like the original website periodic sort table of, of elements yeah. like it's that's like not there anymore. Really? Where it's like really for, far down compared to ptable.com and Lauren L, uh, lanl.gov has one and periodic table. Well, that makes sense because web elements never really wanted to be the periodic table. It was just, it was the one that was there. It didn't want to, well, yeah, we're going to be the best periodic table on the No, line. but it was like the, like back when the internet barely had stuff on it, yeah. you know, web elements was there. I mean, now you can do that all through through Wikipedia. <laughs> but the, but this P table is really cool because like you can highlight these different kinds of metals. Like you can see how they're grouped into post transition uh-huh. and things like that. So you can kind of explore properties. Then you can click on all this stuff and um, they actually show like the um, the electron layout here. Okay, yeah, the orbitals. The orbitals. Uh, so you can kind of see like how like I never really understood the the you know how they have the the actinide and the lanthanide. Uh, series below the periodic table because they all kind of fit squeeze in here mm-hmm. and when you look at the orbitals you kind of see the pattern that makes them all squeeze in there yeah like, because what they have is they have like some empty uh orbitals early on and then they start stacking them on whereas these other ones kind of fill up the 
in inner orbitals first. So that being said, then the orbitals are constructive. Uh, well, there's 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 an idea behind orbitals that mm-hmm. that you know, and, and there's a there's a measured uh, there, there's a measured dynamics to to how orbitals behave, uh, and and you can you can draw out those sort of three D pictures of of uh, the wave functions inside of orbitals, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it, it's it's all it's 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 a lot of really crazy dynamics. It does have to ultimately do the quantum things, but it it gets it gets complicated when uh, I'm not really good, like I said, at dealing with much more than an atom. Uh, what you get mm-hmm. beyond that? I guess. Right. It, there, there's a lot of stuff that I just don't know, don't know, and I have to uh, kind of have to resign myself to not being able to know because I'm too deep in this, and if I tried to understand it all. I'd probably get lost. Yeah, so the two elements that they just named were fluorovium and livermorium. Mm. They are both discovered in Russia, but the reason livermorium got an American Lawrence Livermore name is because uh, some of the material that they used to create it was made in America and shipped over as kind of a uh, partnership type. Yeah, I also think it's sort of like in this field now, there's really a lot. Science has uh, sort of moved beyond the, at least the, the people who are doing this kind of science. Mm-hmm. Have moved beyond the whole uh, the whole nation state thing. They they don't really care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just want to do their science. They don't care who, who sponsors it. When I was looking, I came across like some of the proposed names for these new elements. And where were they? Oh, I, there was a couple uh, neat ones. I um, can't think of what they were right now. I'm, I can't find the article. If it comes up, to, it comes back to me. But uh, oh, Feynman. They want the name one after Feynman. Feynmanium, yeah. Uh, would be it would, it would be a nice uh, tribute to Feynman. I'm done with element talk. But, okay, uh, so go on. All right, let's see. So I had a lot of tweets about sort of the the, the resonant stuff. Uh, also got into some other things. Uh, I noticed, sort of, as I was listening, that I heard I heard sort of a crowd kind of talking, and I realized that uh, if you match it with the music, and you had the crowd thing, but you had the crowd sort of speaking in unison, you get essentially a choir. Okay. And choirs are very effective at sort of getting to some sort of little nub in the back of our head, right? It, it, it uh, there's a reason why they they're used. Uh, and uh, I think that the reason I said the choir sounds like a co- like a crowd united behind some sort of idea or purpose, and that is very uh, ticklish to our to our primate uh, social brains when we hear that. When we hear a crowd going, uh, you're likely to get behind the crowd. It's kind of the natural thing to do. So that's why a choir can be very effective. Yeah, it makes sense. I think there's some definitely some psychology there. Get thirty people up there, singing, clapping, having a great time. Mm-hmm. It's gonna get the the crowd uh, involved, sure. And if the crowd's involved, you go along with the crowd. Yep, that's uh, your primate brain kicking in. Uh, they said Gregorian chants are so old timey because they're all like, uh, we're going to say one word and we're going to do all different sort of tones in it, whereas the crowd is saying a little bit of a more complicated thing, and that. We like a little more complicated thing than just Deus is going, going God. <laughs> Some of us are like, uh, give me more, give me more. Okay. Um, 
So I said, yeah, Twitter is my scrapbook of, of, of things and ideas I find interesting. Unfollow me if you don't. <laughs> Basically, yeah. I mean, if, if my tweets annoy you, then yeah, feel free to unfollow me. I, I do not consider it an insult if you unfollow me or don't want to listen to me on this show or whatever. Feel free. What we can do is we can split the channels left and right even more. I'm sure they can just mute your channel and just listen to me in the pre-show. I'm sure that, that is that sounds like incredible entertainment just to listen to you <laughs> respond to something that they don't even know what it is. Maybe that's what Shelf Turds is. <laughs> uh, so we didn't have a conversation about Slack. Okay, you kind of uh, missed I think what I was going for, uh, which is that I so I said Slack is just Twitter for businesses. It was sort of me sort of coming to a revelation of oh. Okay, I'm, I'm sort. I'm starting to see how I'm using Twitter. I'm starting to see how this is uh, a medium where you can communicate with people. You can message people, communicate. You can also broadcast, uh, and you don't have to be too in depth about something. You can go on a rant. You could go. On, you could do one little thing, um, and it it's a little. It's it makes it easier than say uh, writing a blog post or editing a page on Wikipedia. You say something, and if people are interested, they'll respond to you. And I think that if you take that concept and bring it to an internal messaging format, you're you're giving more people people who wouldn't go to a white to a, a wiki page to talk about something they found or or to you know ask a question uh, that they didn't have an answer to. You, you're giving them an outlet. You're giving them a way for people to sort of to look at a. A bunch of questions going along, and then other people will find stuff that they like, and we'll start to talk on that thread, or we'll we'll just leave it alone, and it will, you know, if no one cares, it'll just go down your your list of tweets, your list of messages. And so my whole idea was, there, Slack is taking Twitter, figuring out what's right about it, and what's right about messaging, combining this sort of idea and putting it into a business environment. Yeah, it's it's okay. But I mean, it's it's more channel based, so it's harder to like just let the stream flow by, um, and the conversations are more than just nuggets. So you have to go yeah. back and catch it's, up a lot more. It's better. At, it's more like Google uh, Wave. I mean, we yeah, we keep saying that, but nobody uses Google Wave. So <laughs> how can we how can we explain what they're doing, and how can how can maybe they improve what they're doing and get the concept out so that also more people are, uh, than just I, slack are doing it so you can have that yeah, you can right. have that uh the um open you could also look at it you could also look at it like a um a forum or bulletin board forum but where the channels are or the forums are much more malleable right they're not yeah. as permanent they come up they go away mm -hmm. you know i mean that's another analogy for slack and then it's also Straight up instant messages. Yeah, well, I mean, Twitter has that ability, right? Twitter yeah. has direct messaging to people, so you can do straight up instant messaging. You can just do a message to people, but it's public, so people can look at it and see, but they're not going to notice unless they're actually following either both you or they're looking into stuff that you say. Uh, you can have uh, sort of conversations that go on. You can have hashtags and you know keep on a conversation loop and have other people join the yeah, It doesn't really have hashtags. The, the channel names start mm -hmm. with pound signs. So if you use a pound sign channel name, it gives you a hyperlink into that channel. Right. Um, so, you know, channel names are like IRC channel names. And... That's what hashtags basically are. They're basically a channel because they, they can get, you know, just yeah. like just like get... IRC, you can, you know, a channel can come and go and then somebody else can make a channel with the same name yeah. and different yeah. quality. 
actually I mentioned news groups or, or, or forums earlier, but actually probably IRCs, you know, cause channels are more ephemeral and IRC. So it's like IRC with good logging. You don't have to be logged in to see what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another way to, which I think that Twitter is, I mean, yeah. I, I think that that's a lot of what Twitter's doing. Uh, yeah, Twitter's a lot flatter. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, yeah, it's a lot flatter in terms of, of of its capabilities, but it has to support a much broader audience, and because of that it it sort of it limits its cap it's limited in sort of its capabilities. Slack is sort of a, a more uh, you can use it in, in different ways, but uh, I think the essential idea behind both services is the same: give uh, a sort of broad uh, bulletin board style system where people can see just look at topics and see where they want to follow them down follow go down that hole or ignore it and more important than that um make it easier for people to do that make it easier for people to start these conversations like i said if you do it with a wiki you know you could do that with a wikipedia page or you could have a internal wiki where you discuss things Mm -hmm. but that's going to be hell to update and stuff like that but if you just want to be able to have conversations be able to search on those conversations i think you're talking about something that's very much like twitter it's not good for publishing information like a wiki would be so it's not very good for that neither is twitter right um i hear what you're saying it's uh yeah it's a combination of all the things we just talked about Mm -hmm. it's online message boards it's irc it's instant messenger twitter However, like, the main thing I disagree is, like, Twitter is a short form, you know, most posts are unrelated to the other posts, you know, there's not generally a long conversation in general, right? And I don't see Slack being used in that way. So, but I mean, when you start talking about chaining hashtags together and stuff like that, then yeah, you're, you're closer, but, you know, just using... Twitter in its main simple form. Yeah, that's where I was disagreeing with what yeah, you were saying. Yeah, which is, you know, but like I, I use TweetDeck. I follow several things at mm-hmm. once. You know, I'm, I'm following, essentially I'm following channels. Mm-hmm. Whether it's people that I, you know, look at or, or right. know, occasionally I'll throw on mm-hmm. uh, hashtags or something. You know, when I was at SQL Pass, I was watching those right. go by. It's kind I of... I set up a column for LastPass the other yeah, day. yeah. Hey, is LastPass down? Hey, is LastPass down? Hey, LastPass, are you down? LastPass. I, I think when you get into the you know tools like this, you're talking about essentially doing. I mean, it, yeah, obviously mm. the, the the method by which Twitter uses for its communication is different, but uh, I think they're, they're converging on a similar idea at the very least, which is uh, easy broadcast potential, uh, easy following potential. Um, yeah, I mean, so Slack. Slack's mission was, you know, let's create a messaging platform for teams. Yeah. And then they stole a little bit from a lot of popular things. Okay. What's it need? It needs instant messenger. Mm -hmm. How should the channels work? Well, we like IRC. Let's make the channels work kind of like IRC. You know, okay, look at Twitter. What does, how does, what do we like from Twitter? Let's pull, you know, so I think that's kind of the way Slack came into being. Mm -hmm. You know, they took everything and their goal was, okay, how do teams communicate? Let's work on that problem. Right. Let's reduce email. Let's get all the communications in one place. Let's not have separate IM from forums, from chat. So, so uh, your experimentation with Slack is continuing. You you like it? 
Yeah, like yeah, it? I like Slack. I, I mean, may we... recommend it to our uh, to our company. We've fully adopted it. Um, so you can use Slack for free, unlimited number of users. The thing is, they only will let you access your ten thousand most recent posts. The ones that are old in thousand fall into the paywall, right? And then when you pay, you get that back. Um, but you can use Slack. Oh, the integrations. If you start doing a bunch of integrations into Slack, that's limited. I think you can only do like three integrations for the free one as well. But um, yeah, you can definitely try it out. Um, but yeah, so like, you know, it would get rid of... Uh, you know, so like our previous, our instant messaging program was Jabber. We mm -hmm. talked about that. And Jabber doesn't have a good mobile platform. It's part of how the protocol works and things like that. Um, all the Jabber programs you could get for iPhone and most of the ones you could get for Android didn't connect to the Jabber server directly. It connected back to the program's service and then the program's server connected to your Jabber. So you're they're proxying our private jabbers through a free apps server right. to your phone, which we didn't really like all that much. And uh, we found that the Google Hangouts app on the phone, well, I never found it, but a lot of people agreed that it killed their battery. Huh. The Hangouts app on the phone. But we do use Hangouts. Yeah. I mean, I never had, I never noticed Hangouts app on my phone killing my battery. I never attributed it to that, if, any, if that's the case. But a lot of people did, and they thought they'd find the Slack app. But... The nice, really nice thing is that the Slack mobile is like the same usability as the web interface. And there's a Mac app. So if you want something that's in your dock instead of in a tab, you can install the Mac app as well. The Mac app in the, t in the browser interface is exactly is the same. Is there a PC app or a PC shop? I'd have to check if there's a PC app. Or you could check if there's a PC app. But um, it runs in a browser. Like I run mine in a tab right next to my Gmail. So I have two. My first tab is Gmail. My second tab is Slack. And then the what's is it? SLAC or SLACK? SLACK. Right, product. Look for downloads or something like that. Fully native apps for iOS and Android. Uh, download apps. Okay. Yeah, there's Windows. Okay. Yeah, basically it's just a, a slimmed down browser mm -hmm. type thing. But, you know, it ties into the OS's notifications a little bit better, things like that. And uh, if you're not good at keeping a browser tab open, then you have an app that's running. So some of our users aren't very good at keeping their browser tabs open, so they prefer to have an app. Because mm -hmm. they're used to having, you know, an idiom, you know, their, their Jabber client. Sitting in the dock. Now they have slaps, slacks sitting in the dock. Makes sense to me. Should we move on to the show? And then, and then once you're on Slack and we're on Slack, we can have an, we can make a new team for Craft Beer Radio and we can Slack our, our Craft Beer Radios. We could do that. Like you said, it's free, so we could do that. We, we definitely can. And actually, that might help us get the pre-show topics like more organized. Yeah. Because we've tried doing several different ways and it's never really stuck. Maybe Slack's the I way to do it. I still use the Google Doc that I set up. Right? <laughs> I forgot all about the Google Doc. Let's go drink some beer. All right. 